I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtzcast in association with Acorns Children's Hospice. Cole Penham here as always. And of course, we're back to chat all things Aston Villa with Villa winning on Saturday 3-0 against Everton. Um, still undefeated at home this season. Of course, it's only a few games, but I'll take that nonetheless and ending Everton's unbeaten run this far, or thus far, I should say, this season. So we'll talk a lot of things that we'll get a little bit into a, kind of a Chelsea preview at the end and uh, also talk a little bit more of what we're going to do with Acorns in the coming future and how you guys can get involved. But uh, before we do all that, let's get over to the guys today, which are Sebastian Bacon and, of course, Danny Raza. So, Danny, I'll come to you. How's it going? Yeah, it's going well, mate. It's going well. I'm glad to be talking following a Villa victory. Uh, yeah, just very, very happy to have watched the game. I actually ended up watching it in a shisha bar. So, uh, a little bit of post-COVID uh, experience, basically. Felt like an away day. Um, but yeah, no, good to see the 3-0 win. Yeah, absolutely. I guess that's kind of a, a hipster's way to enjoy the, the footy, to say the least. But uh, Seb, how's it going? I love that so much. I mean, I was sat in the whole 10, so probably a bit better. But, you know... I don't think you're old there. enough, are you, yet, to be fair? like to, <laughs> no, to no, no, I'm not, but... Uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's always nice to be back at Villa Park, especially when we're winning and under the lights when the atmosphere gets going like it did yesterday. There's no better place in football to be. Absolutely. Um, I, I think if there's any kind of description of how we took in this game, it's completely different for everybody. Of course, I'm thousands of miles away. So I sat on my couch and sat by myself. And actually, I was with my cousin, but he doesn't really understand what's going on half the time. But nonetheless, um, took it in and I was very happy. Maybe he thought I was a little strange for jumping up and down, but always to be an international fan. But anyways, guys, let's get on to uh, the first talking point here. And it's something um, that we led the uh, last Monday edition of the Holt cast on with Simon and Tom. And that was the formation. So of course, Villa coming out with a three, five, two, five, three, two, I'm going to kind of kind of call it a hybrid because it's kind of the best of both worlds when you're in transition from defense to attack. Of course, Everton played a three, four, three as well. So Danny, I'll put you under the hot seat first. I mean, the formation, I mean, it, it definitely, it's one that we used in, in what I think the last time we really used it was the first season back in the Premier League. And we saw how well that didn't work um, against certain opposition, i.e. Man City. Uh, but now with the personnel we have, it seems like this could be a formation that really works for us, doesn't it? Yeah, I think we've used it a couple of times to kind of rescue terrible form. And, you know, it's gotten us a couple of points before, but we've never really had the personnel to, to execute it. Um, so to speak, I, I'm really glad that we've got it in our arsenal now. I think um, one of my biggest criticisms of Dean Smith has been, um, by the way, I don't have many, 
uh, <laughs> one of my biggest criticisms of Dean Smith has been the fact that um, really we only play the 4-3-3. We only play in a certain way. We play with the one striker. Um, we play with the four at the back. But uh, I do think that... Um, I do think that this can be used to our advantage, especially when you look at the way that Bailey came on to change the game. You can play with the two wingbacks. You can play with Matty Cash and you can play with Matty Target, but you can also um, play with a wide midfielder out there. You know, uh, I think Trezeguet as well is, would, have been, would have been perfect for that right-hand side, you know, if, if, if we were playing it last season. But Matty Cash really making that his own. I'm not, I'm not totally convinced with Matty Target out there on the left. Yeah, I mean, you got Ashley Young. He'd be, he'd be perfect for that. But I think probably in the eyes of Dean Smith, it's I want Watkins and, and Danny Ings both on the pitch because they both do such different jobs. And uh, we saw that really. Uh, not only that, I also think that it allows the midfielders, Jacob Ramsey, um, John McGinn and Douglas Louise to do what they do best. And it gives them a little bit of freedom as well with the extra protection in the third centre half um, being Axel Tanzibi. You heard Dean Smith kind of uh, refer to Tyrone Mings and Konza as the outside centre-backs. He actually said that by name, and I love to hear that. Uh, but yeah, I think that protection in, it, in itself just kind of gives us something something else. But um, look, is that going to be the way for us to, to fit in Bailey, Buendia and, and Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins all season? I don't know. Uh, that's, where, that's where we're going to have to see a little bit of changing uh, depending on the opposition. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's kind of a wait and see moment, see what kind of happens here. And um, Seb, I'll, I'll come to you next, of course, and you were at the game, so maybe you can have a little bit better judgment seeing it with your own eyes. Kind of counteracting that 3-4-3, what did you make of the formation and how did you think it coped with Everton's formation and system? I think it was good. I mean, I'd say first 20 minutes, Everton's probably started the better team. They had the better chances. Rondon was getting in behind, but we quickly nullified that targeting cash quite sat quite deep for the first half an hour but then once they were given license to roam that's when we really started going forward and creating dangerous attacks I think the only problem with target which I noticed yesterday is when the ball got played out to the wide hand side there weren't enough men in the box so he couldn't cross it first time which is probably what would have been easiest meaning he had to take a touch and inevitably pass it back and us start our transition phase again so I mean, there's always improvements to be made. Cash was making overlapping runs, which was working quite a lot of the time. So, I mean, they'll have to adjust to the system as much as everyone else. I think they're probably the key roles for that system to work because if they stay too far back, then we're lacking up front. However, if they don't track back, then, you know, we find ourselves susceptible to a counter-attack as we did at some points yesterday. So... It's a lot to ask for them to be getting up and down constantly throughout the 90 minutes. You know, Villa Park's not a small pitch, but the crowd seemed to get behind them and will them on. And I think that seemed to help. And then as soon as the first goal went in, you know, Villa seemed to take control of the game, really. You know, we, we took a step up atmosphere-wise and on the pitch-wise. And we had sort of, it was a sort of like 15-minute spell, I'd say, of just torment on the Everton back line and they just didn't know how to handle it you saw on Monday the Monday just gone that Benitez was 1-0 down to Burnley he made a change and then they completely flipped the game on its head and Everton started controlling it however he just didn't seem to be able to make the same sort of impact and Villa stayed on the front foot and that ensured us the win in the end yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the one player that we can probably come to guys that mostly benefited from this formation, in my opinion, was Matty Cash. Um, 
the man looks like an out and out win- wing back. And if you kind of give two parallels to Matty Target to Matty Cash, you can probably see who's more comfortable, I would say, in this formation compared to the other. And that's no hit on Matty Target, of course, but Cash was all over the place. And I think the one thing that benefited him was having Konza right behind him, giving him that extra cover on the right as well. And um, long may that continue. And to be honest, I think a lot of people look at the likes of Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins to score all the goals, and that's great. But at the end of the day, we, again, and we've been like this for the last, what, season or so, we need to score by committee if we want to move up this table. And I think if you can get the likes of Matty Cash contributing a little bit more um, with, of course, his first goal for us, I think, and in the Premier League, of course, um, I think that can really benefit us. But Danny, what did you make of his performance in particular yesterday? Yeah, no, he's brilliant. He's brilliant. I mean, if, if not for Leon Bailey, I'd, I'd, I'd say he was man of the match. But um, I know we haven't come to the match balls yet. But I'm just saying uh, he, he was brilliant all game. You know, very, very consistent performer. Uh, the way he was uh, running up and down the pitch was was, was brilliant. Uh, my, my only thing was, you know, it, it, it was a case of us needing the extra energy later on. It's, it's, it's going to be difficult for him. It's going to be difficult for him adjusting to that new position, um, having to defend as much as um, as much as he does. We are a team that do get put under pressure quite a lot, uh, and and you know he's going to have to cope with that. Um, is he still going to be able to give that support on on the right wing that you that you probably want from Buendia instead, or from a Bertrand Traore? Like that's uh, that's where you begin to wonder whether he's going to be able to keep a hold of it. But that one run um, where he kind of just kept on bombing forward and Everton didn't pick him up. It was brilliant. Um, and that guy, he was, he was confident. You know, he said that he dreamt he was going to score uh, last night or sorry, the night before, you know, he, he dreamt he was going to score. He, he put it in. He's, he's, he's riding on a wave of, po- of positivity. You know, he might well be the next Poland international uh, from, you know, if, if reports to be believed uh, as Fabrizio Romano um, tweeted out, uh, he could well be playing alongside Robert Lewandowski soon. Um, but, it's 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 clear that the guy was was in a good mood and uh, yeah look I, I do think he looks a lot more comfortable in that right wing back position than in that regular right back role. Um, he's he's always seems to be kind of trying to get a little bit further forward but, but struggling. I feel like this gives him a little bit more freedom. He doesn't have to rush back and make those last ditch tattle, tackles as much as he probably had to in the uh, in the past. And again, that comes down to that extra protection. Um, perhaps even Nakamba being on at that point in the game. Uh, helps him with that um, as well. I mean, yeah, I completely agree. Matty Cash, you know, the famous Polish name. But um, at the time of Nakamba coming on, I think there were a lot of murmurs of, why is it not Buendia? Because McGinn isn't exactly a defensive midfielder. So swapping swapping one of our attacking midfielders for a defensive midfielder seemed a negative change at the time. However, as I said earlier, Everton were counter-attacking us and doing it to good effect. That completely stopped when Nakamba came on. I think it was seen over Twitter about his pass percentage. You know, he, he barely put a foot wrong all game. And he is the type of player to go under the radar with that sort of stuff. He does the simple things, but he does them effectively. It completely stopped Everton's flow. And it also allowed Douglas Lewis to push further forward and have a further license to roam going forward. He he was getting more touches in the opposition area. He was creating more. He was getting in behind the lines. And sometimes he'd be the furthest player forward on the pitch for us. So, you know, that positively affected him. And also Nakamba had a brilliant game. But it's always good. We've been crying out since we came back up from the championship. 
that we need this squad depth to be able to really push on and kick on to the next level. So now that we've got that, it's all about how we can utilise that to good effect to change results because that ultimately will get us a good 10 points this season is our bench and who we bring on from the bench and if they can make an impact. Like, again, I'm going to touch on it. Benitez is one of the best managers at adapting to certain situations, but Smith completely showed him up last night and it it worked perfectly and Everton didn't know how to handle us. So if we can keep all players happy, that's obviously a massive factor with a big squad, making sure everyone gets the minutes to keep them happy so no one's going and knocking on Smith's door the next day and being like, look, I want regular first-team football. If he can keep them all happy and the team cohesion can stay up as it is at the moment, then I think that's only a good thing for us. Yeah, massively. And I guess maybe the one thing, and I'm going to get to Danny here in a second. And I I think I asked this to Tom and Simon, and maybe we discussed it last week. And how long do we think this side's going to gel? And I think a lot of people kind of saw it. Well, I don't know. I could take a few more weeks, another month. We'll have to wait and see on injuries. And of course, um, that might be a theme again, uh, unfortunately, with John McGinn, and we don't know what's going on with Leon Bailey. Um, we'll talk about him very shortly. Trust me, that's coming up. Don't you worry, guys. But Danny, I'll pass it over to you to give your thought on what you wanted to mention. And as well as this, we'll add that kind of as a combination. But this side's already gelling, isn't it? it it's just a fact of if we can keep everyone healthy or a majority of this quality squad healthy. And I have to say quality squad because that's what we have now. And it's very nice to say. I think we can do some real damage here this season. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I mean, keeping the players keeping the players fit is is obviously very important. We we still have not we still have not been able to put out our best team, and I and I maintain that we still have not been able to put Bailey Buendia and 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 Ings out from the start. Have we? Correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I don't think. Well, we haven't definitely haven't been able to put out Bailey Buendia, Ings, and Watkins from the start. Um, that the the formation is a game changer, of course. You now start to think maybe we can, maybe we don't even have to start them. You know, to have that kind of player to bring on um, and change the game. Now, stark contrast for Everton. We haven't mentioned this at all, but um, we saw at one point Salomon Rondon was was taken off the pitch. Uh, Salomon Rondon has not been playing at the Premier League level for for, for a bit, I believe at least a year, right? Um, and uh, they they brought on a midfielder. You know, Andre Gomez, that they at one point were playing with no striker. Now, Everton were uh, obviously starting a team without Pickford, without Dominic Calvert-Lewin and without um, Richarlison. So it's just worth mentioning that having all those players out, it just showed you that it was going to be, yeah, it just shows you how important it is to have your best players in there, right? Because that's a big part of, of, of their threat. That's that's a big part of, um, of, of how they score goals. I mean, it's their main, um, it's their main threat, really. So... Uh, yeah, that's just yeah an absolute example of why we need to keep our players fit, and and, and an example of of what makes you successful. Because Everton, they've been they've been brilliant up until up until the game against us. You know they they were they were they were they were purely on form, uh, and the minute you upset that balance, uh, things just look terrible. I think Danny hit the nail on the head there. I mean, let's not beat around the bush. They were unbeaten. Uh, so far this season and I think I read it rightly that they could have gone top with a win I mean look yeah their squad was was down to the bare bones you know their number one keeper was out Calvert-Lewin was also out who was a massive miss you you look at that Damari Gray chance in the second half where he put it just wide of the post 
if that's Calvert-Lewin in that situation, that hits the back of the net and that gives momentum to Everton and then the game's completely turned on its head and we're almost back to square one. But yeah, I, I think it's important to realise that we were up against a weaker Everton side, but you can only beat the team that's in front of you. We're not to blame for their situation and we've been beaten because of the same situation before. So it's almost evening itself out. And as long as our treatment table can slow down just slightly and free up a little bit, then we'll be able to see all of our exciting attacking talent be able to take the pitch at once. Yeah, massively. And again, like it's all down to consistency. And I think this is one of those results that you can look on and build from and, Maybe it's easy for some to say, too, like, okay, we do very well against Everton for the most part since we've been back in the Premier League. Um, So maybe we're kind of their bogey side. But at the end of the day, and I I guess maybe there's some kind of comparisons to the way the Chelsea game went. Because realistically, that Chelsea game was pretty tight and it was just down to a few moments. And it was kind of in a little bit of a spurt of the moment kind of thing. And to be honest, and like um, Seb said with Calvert-Lewin, if if he's on and that goes in, or if Demario Gray scores, it could be three nil to Everton. It, it's just one of those games where, again, things swing in the other team's favor as soon as that one goal is going in. And I was telling my cousin this yesterday when we were watching it together. The first goal is going to win this game. It's just the how it was going. It was so tight. It was very entertaining. Both sides weren't really giving much. We easily had the better opportunities early on. I would say. Um, aside from, well, Damari Gray's probably was the best chance and only had one shot on target, I think, within the whole game where I think we had over 10 or something ridiculous like that. Um, so it kind of maybe shows in that. But most of those probably came again in that 10-minute spurt where it looked like we were going to win 8-0. But nonetheless, uh, let's get over to, um, let's knight him already, Sir Leon Bailey. Um, I mean, the, the man does like to show up in a little bit of spurts of 20 minutes or so and make a lasting impact. Comes on at Watford, gets an assist. Um, of course, the first game back at Villa Park, he missed through injury. Comes on today for, what, 21-odd minutes or so. Uh, forces the own goal from Dinier, which, to be fair, was just the way, the way, the way I should say, that he put that was perfect. I mean, it's just going to cause an error regardless. And then, of course, the final one, the beautiful ball by Danny Ings and the absolutely thunderous finish was just fantastic to see. Um, hopefully he's not injured too long nonetheless, but Seb, I'll pass it right back over to you. I mean, like I said, hopefully he's well, hopefully he's back soon, but uh, what a debut at Villa Park, eh? It's quite scary, really, because I promised myself after the summer we had to not fall in love with an Aston Villa player again, and four games into the season, that promise has already been broken, but I mean, look, he deserves it, and after his cameos that he's made, you you can't help yourself but be excited. 3-0 down to Watford. He comes on and nearly drags us back from that. He gives us momentum to, momentum to go and beat Everton. And after learning about his backstory yesterday and his upbringing and how tough it was for him, I'm delighted for him. In the interviews, you could see that he's a really likeable person. And to see him... To see him be able to experience a full Villa Park for the first time and the roar of the crowd when that goal went in. It's nice to see his family were there to be able to witness it with him as well. And let's not get it wrong. It was a really, really well-taken finish. 
I think how many times have you seen a Villa player get into that position in behind and stop the ball and look for a pass across the box or slow play down and look to take on another man or take it round the goalkeeper. But he almost just walloped it. And I think that's where his injury came from. I think he said that he hit it too hard and that because because the game was already won, he decided to come off as precautionary. So, I mean, if he decides to come on every 20 minutes, score a goal, get an assist and then come off, then, you know, that's 30 million well spent although we'd like to see it over a course of 90 minutes. But looking at the other two goals, if we just focus on them a sec, obviously the corner led to the led to the second goal. I don't know how many times I was saying last season about how woeful our set pieces were. And I think that has to give full credit to Austin McPhee. We, we saw it in the first half. Villa had a free kick quite a way out and we worked it well. I think it went short to target who crossed it in and then some short passes and Ings maybe with a better finish, could have found the back of the net. But you can see that they've come on leaps and bounds as well. And then the first goal, although Bailey wasn't involved, you can see out of the picture, as Cash cuts inside, Bailey makes an intelligent run across the defence. So if the tap-in had been available, he would have been in the position. So he's getting himself into the positions. He's looking calm on the ball. I think he moves the ball really quickly. Once he gets that ball, there's no slow play about it. He wants to move it forward, pick a pass, take a man on. And that's something that gets the crowd off your seats. And we've not had a player like that for a long, long time. Yeah, absolutely. And Danny, I'll come to you. Um, I know when Emmy Wendia was at Norwich, they had a chant that said, please don't take my Emmy away. I'm already starting to think, please don't take my Bailey away. How brilliant is this guy? I mean, what more can you expect from the man, really, eh? Yeah, no, look, I'm I, saying I, A a lot. I don't know why. So, a, anyways, can, yeah, he's Canadian. <laughs> um, he's um, he's he's really good. Like, I think uh, I think from what I've seen of him, like he's one of the most exciting players I've I've, I've seen. But I've only seen a few minutes of him, if I'm being honest. But even then, like he seems to have that dribbling ability that uh, we thought we were going to miss with Jack going. Um, he he's got rapid pace. He's dare I say it, the fastest player we've had since Gabby. Um, I don't ever remember us having a player with that kind of rapid pace. Um, but not only that, like his delivery is clinical. Like every time he he, he seems to whack that ball, whether it be for a cross, whether it be for a shot, he seems to have a purpose every single time. That corner, for example, like I don't think you can put the ball in a more dangerous position. <laughs> it was it was brilliant, and I, I want to keep seeing that. So technically, skillfully, yeah. Look, I, he genuinely has the chance to be. Um, you know, one of our best players of the century, really. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm excited by the guy. Look, those two goals are brilliant. I mean, the first one, obviously, from the corner, as I say, couldn't put it in a better position. If it wasn't going to be him, you'd expect one of our guys to get ahead to it. Um, <laughs> definitely. So, uh, eat your heart out. Cole's just written in the in the chat. Cole, do you want to explain that one? Oh no, it's just funny because you were saying that. Um he might be the quickest, but on FIFA, I think Nathan Delfonso for like years had like 90 pace or something like that. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Or something ridiculous. It was like ridiculously high and you just get him in like your lower league one side or something and probably win every time. But uh, yeah. Anyways, there's they're some probably, context. Yeah. I was going to say that like, they'll, they'll probably, they'll probably destroy Bailey's uh, pace now that he plays for Villa though. And that's oh, what probably. happens. That's what happens. Well, like Greenish is probably going to be like 90 rated by January or something like, Oh, don't even get me started on that. This this is this is what drives me nuts. If 
if Jack was still at Villa, he would not be 84. He'd probably be 82 or 83. And like, it just wouldn't be a card to use. But now because he's playing with better players after five games or so, apparently he gets an upgrade. Anyways, I don't want to get onto how FIFA. Yeah. That's Anyways, FIFA for you. Yeah. Con- continue. I don't know what I was going to say. No, that, that, that third goal was great. The way he just paced it down. He, he, he yeah, he, he knew exactly what he was going to do with it immediately. He knew he was going to run the box and, and blast it. Um, and look, if it was, if it was Jack Grealish, he would have stopped the ball and tried to go around the defender. So sometimes, sometimes you need someone to do something a little bit more simple. Yeah. Look, perfect, perfect analogy. And look, no pressure on yourself, Leon. You know, you've only got every single Villa fan claiming you could be the best player of our century. <laughs> no pressure, Leon. You're all right, aren't you? You're not that bad of a player. Just but... to put it into context, can I just, just to put it into context, you realise that we actually went and took one of the pro- most promising young players from the Bundesliga out of a Champions League team. 100%. 100%. It's ridiculous. Yeah, but I think that shows the direction we're going in as a club. And it, it can only be used as a positive move. And we don't want to get back onto the topic of FIFA, but EA Sports, if you're watching, if you could give him a Team of the Week upgrade for the start of the game, that would be stupendous. <laughs> yeah, I think that's not going to be a cheap card if that's the case. But this isn't a FIFA 22 talk or whatever. But anyways, um, you can tell a few of us here, or all of us probably play it at one part of another and then probably rage quit for the rest of the season, as I do. But uh Nonetheless, we'll have to see if it ever happens a Leon Bailey versus Nathan Delfonso race. I don't know how old Nathan Delfonso is now, um, so maybe that's a little bit unfair. I think he's latter 20s. So, um, yeah, anyways, I, I doubt that'll ever happen. But regardless, um, guys, let's get over to our uh, Men of the Match Awards. Um, oh, he's 30 now. Oh, wow, that makes me feel really old. But nonetheless, even though I'm three years younger than him, that makes zero sense. But regardless, let's get over to our Man of the Matches. Um, and then we'll dive into a bit of uh, Chelsea chatter because, of course, we have them in the third round of the Carabao Cup on Wednesday at Stamford Bridge. So, Seb, I'll come to you first. Who is your man of the match? Probably Tyrone Mings. I think Bailey got given the award on Sky, but for me, you can't give a player a man of the match for 20 minutes. He was good. He was very, very good, don't get me wrong, and he would have been up there. But had he stayed on for the duration then yeah, but for me, Mings didn't put a foot wrong yesterday and he epitomised what we are looking for in a captain. He, he, You could see he was leading concert Antoine Zabi, even though he was on the left-hand side, you could see him barking instructions, not only forwards, but also at Emi Martinez as well. And after his mistake in midweek, it's only like Tyrone Mings to come in and put in a stellar performance. And that's the type of performance that we saw in the championship. And that's the type of performance we saw that made fans fall in love with him. Fair enough. Danny, who is your man of the match? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm not giving him a man of the match for defending against Solomon Rondon. Um, I'm going to give it to... <laughs> I'm going to give it to Leon Bailey. <laughs> I'm going to give it to Leon Bailey. Because even though he was only on for like 20 minutes... He changed the game completely. And it was that 20-minute spell where we were ridiculously just clinical. Um, he changed the game and uh, we just looked like a better side. Yeah, you know, I think what, I think it was it was pretty obvious what we needed was, was somebody else out on the left-hand side. Uh, Matty Target, for me, you know, we it, it was worth sacrificing his defensive side to, to actually get some, some penetration on the pitch. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with um, I'm happy with giving Bailey the um, man of the match. If not, I think I could have gone with Ramsey or Cash. I think they both had very, very solid games. Uh, but yeah, that's where, I, that's where I'm going. It's Leon's time. 
Yeah, fair enough. I mean, to be fair, Jacob Ramsey, I wish he put that in the back of the net to make it three, to be honest. I'm just waiting for him to score because I feel like that's going to be a moment. It's going to be like a Keenan Davis moment for me, to be honest. It's did just, you, you just, oh. oh did, you, did you see his mouth move? Like, did, he, did you lip read him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But how dare you make fun of Salomon Rondon? To be fair, he is literally the equivalent of what Nico Cranchard was to Harry Redknapp. And what obviously what he means to Rafa Benitez. So Rafa might be at your house telling you off very soon. We'll have to wait and see. And actually, can we actually speak about that for a second? Maybe does Rafa not look like a mob boss with his little with his suit on and everything like that? My my cousin doesn't really know. He's just learning kind of about the Premier League and trying to choose the side. And um, shout out to him. So if he's somehow listening to this, hello. But literally every time Rafa came on the screen, he's asking like, does he not look like an Italian mob boss? Like to be fair, he kind of does. Every week without fail, the Hulk cast manages to take a weird diversion until we manage to claw it back again. I don't know how you do it. It's some sort of skill that you manage to do it. And I can, weirdly, I can kind of see what you mean as well. But with his notepad, for me, the inevitable fat Spanish waiter chance came back out. So you, you could describe him as, <laughs> as quite a lot of things. But a good football manager is certainly one of them. Well, that could have been his hit list. You never know. But... The other thing you have to think about, too, is this podcast can provide you so much more than just Villa Chat. We got wrestling chat from Danny. Um, Seb makes fun of Simon for having no hair. Simon likes to uh, cuss out Seb at said having no said hair. Um, and Tom's just here for a good time. So uh, I guess Tom's the only one that gets off scot-free here. But nonetheless, uh, my man of the match, to, to claw things back after I just took it way off the rails, hopefully we can get it back. I have to give it to Leon Bailey, too. I mean, I, I know Seb said it's hard to give to someone with 20 minutes, but he literally changed the whole game. And without that, um, I mean, you could probably say that we could have went on and win, but I don't know if we could have won that emphatically. Um, I mean, I'm scared to fall in love with another uh, left winger slash midfielder uh, attacker again, but I, I think my heart's opening up to this man, so... Um, as long as he doesn't do the one uh, one club thing, I'm I'm okay with that because I, I know eventually um, he will probably uh, move on and uh, yeah that that day will probably come as it always does for every player. But regardless, um, guys, let's get over to a little bit of Chelsea chatter. Of course, we play them like I said on Wednesday, September twenty second. Believe that's a seven forty five p.m. kickoff in the UK. Um, I would expect. Um, I don't know what Danny just said in the chat, but anyways, I'm just going to ignore it until I read it later. But anyways, um, I would expect heavy rotation on both sides. <laughs> uh, you guys are just going to laugh at me. What is this podcast? But anyways, Danny, I'm going to throw you right under the bus because you're just confusing me right now. What can you expect from this game on Wednesday? Um, so what I'd like to see is that there's a gentleman's agreement. Tushel puts out a backup side. We put out a backup side. That's what I'd like to see. But uh, I think what we're going to see is two full-strength teams out there. So, yeah, I'm not sure how it's going to go. Um, I think the thing with Chelsea at the moment is that they look like they are allergic to losing. Now, it's worth saying that, you know, they, they're about to lay Tottenham Hotspur and this podcast has been recorded before that. So who knows what happens there? But what, what I can say is that they're, they're very good at just winning the ugly way. They're very, they're very good at just getting the job done. Lukaku's up there. If he starts on... Um, yeah, if he starts true if, against us, then it's only going to take uh, the matter of, of one or two chances. We saw how clinical he was against us in the in the league game. So we put out 
our absolute best almost, our best performance against Chelsea. We weren't clinical enough. That was obviously a huge issue, but we still got beat 3-0. So um yeah, I don't know. It's gonna it's gonna it's gonna take a, a lot from us to, to beat them, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, Seb, I, I guess we can look at this in in one way is you do have certain portions of the fan base saying they would they would take a cup and maybe a lower place finish, which I mean why not go for both in my opinion and be ambitious what are your kind of hopes and ambitions for this game and do you think we can make a run in this cup again like we did a couple seasons ago I mean I slightly disagree with Danny at the fact that I think Chelsea will put out their full strength team they've got the Champions League to try and retain to think about not only the cup but the league title they're going for as well with it looks like it could be a four horse race this year and Chelsea are well-renowned for having a big, big squad. So I think they'll be able to make rotations. I don't think Lukaku will start. However, if they're struggling, they could see him come on. And it also gives us a good opportunity because, yeah, we'd like to go for a cup 100%. And that's what you're going to remember in 10 years' time. You're going to remember a cup and not a 7th-place finish instead of an 11th-place finish. So... I think a cup should be our priority. We're in that stage now and we've got the squad to be able to utilise cup competitions. However, we've also got to balance that with getting Morgan Sanson back match fit, getting Emi Buendia back up to standard, whilst also protecting some of our players because we've harped on about it for the majority of the podcast about how we need to make sure that injuries don't become a bigger problem. Well, the only way to do that is to protect your players in the less important games, I say with air quotation marks, because at the end of the day, Smith will be judged on his league position and not whether we beat Chelsea and get to the fifth round instead of the fourth round of the cup. So he's got a very fine balance to make and that's what he's getting paid for. I'm glad it's not my decision. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, fair enough. And I, I, the one thing I was just thinking about now, kind of funnily enough, is Jed Steer will most likely start this game. Um, and, and I just hope he has a very good game or he's going to really hate Stanford Bridge. That's all I can say. Um, potentially two losses on the bounce for him if that's the case. But no, in all seriousness, um, it, it's one of those games where you kind of have to look at it and think, what's that priority? We got United on the weekend as well. So what do you almost weigh up? It, it, it's kind of a tricky one because we do have all this depth now, but it's also managing fitness managing expectations and slowly kind of embedding these players back into it and to throw the likes of even say Morgan Sands on or whoever else it's just coming back into the deep end might be a little bit kind of uh, too early um, and too far at this point but we'll have to wait and see um, if I was going to get your score predictions gentlemen usually of course we have a we have an opposition preview and they kind of get a, a little bold with us and a little bit uh, confident and I like to see that but uh, We'll have to see what you guys are feeling. So, Seb, I'll come to you first. What's your score prediction for Wednesday against Chelsea? Oh, you've proper thrown me under the bus here. It could be anything, and that's the beauty of the cup, I suppose. But I'm going to keep it short and simple. Uh, 2-1 Chelsea. Fair enough. Danny, how about you? Um, yeah, no, I think our team is very finely balanced at the moment in that if you change a couple of things, yeah, I'm... Considering the fitness of a lot of these players isn't quite up there yet, they're going to be facing up against the champ, you know, a Chelsea side where even if they don't put out their their full strength squad, they're still going to have a very strong team out there. Um, slightly worried, 
Um, I would say 3-0 if Lukaku's playing. But if he's not playing, then I'll probably go with a 2-0 Chelsea win. No, that's that's more than fair enough. Um, it, it's a difficult one to, to call. Like it, it feels like if we're we're not playing in a cup match midweek, it's an international break where you just want more football, or there's too many injuries. It's uh, it's been a very hectic season thus far. It definitely has been boring. Um, I do I want to be arrogant or do I want to be? You know what? Let's go two one Villa. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. But I want to be the positive one here. So if it does happen. At least um, the the positive Canadian comes out of me, nonetheless. Um, we've all we've also had a few A's this podcast, which, to be honest, I've, I don't think I've ever said on this podcast. So um, you can tell how um, I'm feeling today. But regardless, let's get over to the final segment, guys, of this edition of the Holtzcast, which, of course, is everyone's favorite game. Um, the Villa version of Who Am I? So just to reiterate, and of course, you listeners can play along in your cars or wherever you're listening, of course. Um, three rounds in every round, of course. Um, I'll say basically one little kind of hint of who they could be. These guys will get kind of one guess per, and we'll kind of narrow it down from there. As we get going, the further kind of we get going in the process, it gets a little bit more obvious. And of course, since Seb is the young buck here, um, and Danny probably likes that because it's a that's an AEW reference. Um, so you're welcome. Um, I had to kind of pick players in the last ten years or so. Yes, um, yes. <laughs> yes. So th- this might be very kind to say, but also they're kind of somewhat obvious. So if you if you guys don't get two of these, I'm going to be very very ashamed. But uh, let's get cracking Crash on with on, this Danny. one. <laughs> to be fair, Simon absolutely destroyed Tom last time. So. Uh, there's not really much expectation there. Um, let's go to the first one, which I feel like could be kind of gotten almost immediately. But nonetheless, I was born on February 16th, 1985 in Hansbroek, Netherlands. I probably butchered that pronunciation. And reminder, guys, a quick game is a good game. <laughs> uh, we haven't had many Netherlands players. So it's, I mean, right. I don't know. You'll have to guess. Wait, do we just... I, I haven't played this game. Do we just shout at you when we've got the answer? Yeah, no, when you're ready. Wanna, yeah, go for it. Uh, uh, my first thought was Ron Vlaar, right? Oh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, did I get it? Yeah. All oh, right. right, okay. Cool. Go. <laughs> Wait, so is Ron, is Ron Vlaar only 36? Uh, yes, he is. Is he I still playing? At least he retired last season, didn't he? He was playing for AZ Alkmaar. Retired last yeah. season. Yeah. 21 91 appearances five goals uh concrete ron so that's crazy yeah that that was way too easy i feel really stupid but i I, have two two highlights of ron Vlar. that screamer against sunderland and for some reason i think he gave a penalty away in the last minute at home against stoke i think it was to either draw the game or lose the game i don't know why that's popped into my head but yeah he was a brilliant defender he's just played in the wrong time basically yeah, um, how evident is that, that we've had good players the wrong time in the last decade? But anyways, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah I, Seb, I didn't realize this was the first time you've ever played this, to be honest, but uh, So do we, go. just to clarify, once we've yes. got it, do we just shout at you? Yeah, it first yeah just say, yeah, basically, yeah. Oh, okay, cool, um, cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I was like just... hesitant because I was like, wait, uh, like, are, you, are we waiting our turn it's, here? Or it's gonna... generally just a gentleman's thing, you know? Oh, okay. Yeah, um, as you... May not know, um, Danny at some point will probably guess Simon Dawkins. Um, <laughs> that's never the answer, but nonetheless, it's been just kind of a meme thing here for the last, I don't know, forever how long. One day. Um, 
one day <laughs> i mean it's gonna have to be at this rate <laughs> I've, I've had to start writing these names down to be honest because I'm really scared that we're going to start using the same ones. And I'm sure Um, to be fair though, I'm probably sure I've already done that with at least one or two of these, but uh, if they were last season, it doesn't count. So let's get over to the second round. It's one nil to the young Sebastian bacon. Um, Let's get over to this fella. I was born on November 8th, 1981, making me 39 now in Paddington, London. Is it, is it Kieran Richardson? I don't know. Seb Paddington, London. Let's see, 39. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, you can I'm pass not, too if you want, by the way. My mind wasn't going to Richardson, but I'm, I'm not going to pass. I might as well take a guess, right? So, actually, no, yeah, I'm going to pass. I can't think of anyone. Fair enough. Okay, no, it's not Richardson. <laughs> okay. Also, it? another day that Danny says, you can't guess twice. That a, it did. He let me say the next. <laughs> okay. All right. Down. Okay. Go Come let's, go. Let's, go. let's go. I, I know you're excited, but anyway. Oh, Danny's getting competitive. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't want to lose to Sam. <laughs> Okay, let's get to the next one. Um, I began my youth career um, in 1990 with West Ham United, lasting until 1998, before moving on to their senior squad from 98 to 2003, making 126 appearances and 10 goals. Yes, um, it is. Yes. Sorry, Daddy. (laughs) (laughs) If you sneeze, you lose, I suppose. No, it's not Susan. (laughs) I was listening to the rest of the clue. All right, cool. <laughs> yeah, just just let me finish the clue. But yes, it is Joe Cole. <laughs> my, my bad. I got excited. This, I got excited. This is uh, this this is a bit of a, a shambles of a, a game for this one, but it's okay. It's Seb's first one, so uh, <laughs> yeah. We'll, let, him, uh, let, him, let him let him get the confidence win. It's pretty bad, isn't it? I had to literally Google um, obscure Villa signings like of the like last decade, basically. Um, to get some of these because I feel like if I pick some of them, they're way, way too easy. Um, this one might be a little bit tricky, but I'm also scared we've used this one like maybe last season. But nonetheless, uh, mm-hmm. that's probably advantage Danny, if anything. Um, I was born on July 2nd, 1991, making me 30 years old now in Nottingham, England. Oh, um, no, I don't know. I don't know who's born in Nottingham. Seb? Nope. Okay, uh, let's go to the next round. Um, almost said his current team. That was scary. Um, youth <laughs> career. Um, I began at Derby County before moving to Chesterfield um, from 2007, 2008. Oh, is it? Danny's got it. Is it Jordan Bowery? It is Jordan Bowery. Wow. That's, uh, yeah, wow. I didn't even get past the youth career basically on anybody this round. Um, so, yeah, that is Villa. Who am I? Hopefully, the next one will be a little bit trickier. Um, <laughs> Seb, I'm going to go past the, the 2010s um, for probably the next time we do this with you, to be honest, because this is way too easy. I've but uh, researching then, haven't I? Yeah. How, so, to, yeah. I was going to say, how, how weird was Jordan Bowery as a signing, though? Do you guys not remember that? We just like bought a random lower league striker didn't play him and were like okay maybe he's not good enough and then sold him yeah 19 appearances zero goals um yeah did he never ever <laughs> score for villa no not once never no, i liked he... him though you know wow so he went from chesterfield from 08 to 2012 83 appearances 10 goals um in between they had a loan at barrow then went to villa 19 appearances no goals um doncaster loan in 2014 three appearances no goals moved on to rotherham permanently uh, 40 appearances, five goals, and then just kind of ramble off. Um, Bradford City, Oxford, Leighton Orient, Crew Alexandra, Crew permanently, Milton Keynes, and now he's at Mansfield, where he's made 47, uh, 47 appearances, I should say, and scoring 10 goals. We've I love had the Paul Lambert era. Strikers, haven't we? 
Yeah, I mean, Paul Lambert era literally was like, okay, let's just raid League One and see if any of these work. It, like, to be Which, fair, some of it did. We became Burnley Feeder Club, didn't we? We trained up Westwood <laughs> Matt Lowton. and Loughton. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're welcome at least. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, they are welcome. Yeah, like keep them. But like, and I and I'm pretty sure we let them both go on freeze if I'm thinking correctly. So that's how fantastic our business was. Buy them for very cheap and sell them for nothing. That's uh, that's the Paul Lambert way. But uh, anyways, guys, that's Villa. Who am I? Let's let's talk about um, Acorns, of course, because I wanted to bring this up um, and how everyone can get involved, whether it's us or the listeners. So long story short, as we announced last week, we'll be working with Acorns moving forward, um, at least up until uh, the start of January. Um, so the goal with that basically is we're going to open up a GoFundMe, or not a GoFundMe, a Just Giving page. Um, where you can make donations kind of at any point, probably starting probably this week as this will go in on a Monday, of course, um, and kind of moving forward up until probably the Christmas period. So um, whether you can donate a pound, five pounds, uh, one dollar, like whatever currency, it's always appreciated, whatever you can give. Uh, None of it goes to us. It all goes to them. It's to benefit, obviously, a great organization, one that's very close with Villa, um, and we also should have another announcement on kind of um, a little bit of a sweepstakes kind of uh, auctiony thing that we're kind of planning with them as well. I can't really say too much on that right now because we haven't really finalized it, but that should be finalized hopefully by the following Monday and I can announce that. So, um, yeah, there's going to be lots of ways to get involved. We might have a few kind of uh, special editions of the Holt cast with uh, members of their staff kind of discussing what acorns and villa mean to them and just trying to get a little bit more in touch with the community around villa and stuff like that as well so lots coming up with them very positive stuff but uh yeah that's that and uh, we'll have more information of course their link is in the description so you can always go on their website and look how to get involved with them more directly as well but uh danny seb if you guys don't have anything we can uh, we can wrap things up Thumbs up from both of them, which means, okay, I will do the outro here, of course. Thank you very much to Seb and Danny for joining me. You can find them on Twitter. Links in the description below on any podcast provider that you are currently listening on. Of course, you can find me at Talk Aston Villa. Of course, tweet the team at 7500 Holt. Email the podcast, Holtcast at gmail.com. And of course, if you're listening on Acast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, wherever you get your pods, if it lets you leave a review, please do so. It just makes it a little bit easier for others to find us. But we'll leave it there. We should be back uh, Thursday, bright and early, for a little bit of a recap in, uh, on the Chelsea game leading into the United game on the Saturday. But without further ado, and don't forget, uh, the Villa. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. 
you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.